think I hurt myself on that one. Cowabunga! You're listening to Pie Factory Podcast, the perfect replacement for no quarter. <laughs> oh no, you didn't. <laughs> oh yes, I did. Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> oh, oh, we're recording. Hmm. Oh. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode, another rollicking episode, and it's rollicking if I do say so myself, episode of the Pie Factory podcast. And once again, from the Pie Factory Logistics Center south of Morris, this is Jimmy G. And uh, from Pie Factory headquarters north, uh, this is Rollickin' Sean. Rollickin' Sean, spreading the hits. So, how are you doing, my friend, Sean? Um, technologically weird. Technologically weird. Yes, and um, uh, for people that listened to the last episode, uh, there was a happy ending to the Adladen uh, situation. And uh, only reason I call it Adladen situation is because everybody knows it was about a controller from Adladen that yes. somehow the post office or whoever it was didn't uh, deliver it properly, but you did get it the next day as you yeah, it was busted in. I think what happened is somebody in another apartment must have grabbed it and kept it for safekeeping and wasn't home oh. when I asked around because the oh, very okay. next morning it was in the foyer. The foyer. The foyer. Not the foyer. Not the foyer. As they say up here in Chicago, it's the foyer. Foyer? The foyer. Oh. Hey, it's in the foyer. Let's get some water on that. So, have you had a chance to actually uh, use the uh, device yet? Oh, have I had a chance to use it? Yes, I uh, have. Yes, I have. And the consensus? Well, I don't know about the... Con- <laughs> I'm the only one who's used it. I've, I'm. It's it's my controller, so there's... It's, it's a one-person one consensus. It's a one-person consensus. Yeah, it is, it is awesome. It is awesome. It is the Supreme 78. It's called a 4.8 because you can actually switch between four-way and eight-way without actually mm-hmm. having to take a screwdriver to the thing. You just lift open the uh, panel. The panel actually comes up, and there's a dial you turn, and it changes it to between four-way and eight-way, and it's really, really, really oh, is awesome. This the one, is this the one that um, uh, Phil uh, was doing on his uh, YouTube series? Uh, I know he he talked about one of them on his YouTube yeah, series. Yeah, he, he did a video of that. In fact, I also did an unboxing video when I got this, and... Uh, um, I should have put the link of that in the in last week's show notes, but I didn't put. But any it'll link. be in this week's. It'll be in this week's, maybe even last week's too. Or maybe not at all. Or maybe you not don't at know. All. <laughs> you never know with us. Yes, we're just mysterious that way. In fact, some of you who follow the Pie Factory podcast on Facebook, if you were uh, like what everybody else does on Friday night, they just sit around using a computer instead of going out and doing stuff. I actually streamed a game of the Atari seventy eight hundred Junior Pac Man. And I was using the Ed Lydon controller in that stream, too. Uh, I actually watched part of the video afterwards. I did not know you were streaming until you were streaming it. Yeah, it was just kind until- of a last-minute decision. I was like, hmm, let's, I wanted to test out the uh, go-live function they have on Facebook, and uh, it obviously worked pretty well. <laughs> you just did it on a lark. And people that listen to, listen to the latest episode of the Super Podcast Brothers will get that reference. Yes. Boy, I just brought things to a screeching halt, didn't I? So, continuing on, um, rather enjoy the controller. Yep. Highly recommend it. Yes, uh, as soon as I get some money, I would love to do that. But right now, I uh, all of my tax refund has been spent on bills and a few novelties, so I don't have much left. But um, 
I did. I think I did mention that I got the uh, the Sega Genesis joystick. I found it at a local disc replay, um, and I've been using it on the Master System, which I actually haven't played that much since the last show uh, because I've been getting wrapped up in my Raspberry Pi. But um, I, what Ooh. I'd love to do is try the. Uh, I still haven't gotten a chance to do it, but to try that uh, Genesis stick on uh, on my seventy eight hundred with the Ed Ladin seventy eight. Uh, what are they called? The Ed Ladin seventy eight. The Seagull seventy eight. Seagull seventy eight. And I could just look right over here because I've got one sitting right here, but that would require me to actually reach down into my pile of computer crap, which I have here and. <laughs> I call it my pile of computer crap because it literally does look like a pile of computer crap. <laughs> to lift a line from uh, an episode of the the show Bosom Buddies, really going back here, boy, it looks like R2-D2 threw up. I want to try that uh, Genesis stick on my 7800 with the Seagull 78 adapter. I bet this thing will be kick, would kick so much ass on it, but I just haven't had a chance to do it yet. It works just fine with the uh, with the Sega Master System uh, without any sort of an adapter. It just uses the, uh, I believe, the one and the two buttons to uh, emulate the one and the two buttons on the Master System. No adapter required. And the rapid-fire function on that I really like a lot. And it's a uh-huh. nice, solid joystick. It's a lot better than the joystick Sega came out with specifically for the Master System. If you see those, just avoid them. <laughs> just avoid them and just get this uh, Genesis uh, joystick. You'll thank me later. And uh, or sooner, you never know. So I want to try that out. But um, as I mentioned, I've been having more fun with the uh, with the Raspberry Pi that I got, and I've got uh, Retro Pi loaded on it, and I've got every at this point uh, every twenty six hundred and every ColecoVision ROM that I could find on it. the uh, The ColecoVision emulation for Retro Pi is uh, pretty much um, I don't know if beta. Let's say preliminary at this point. Uh, but it seems to work pretty well. My only problem is the controller I'm using is uh, is a wired Xbox controller, and the ColecoVision emulator on there only see it's Cool CV only seems to automatically use the um, analog little thumb joysticks, and uh, I've been having a little problem with those. I wanted to map it to the uh, the little the little directional pad, but it's not really that easy to remap that stuff you actually have to uh push a button on the keyboard and then push up on the controller and then write the number down and then edit the text file by hand uh but it's it's still all preliminary uh the emulation is really good it's just the uh, the controller setup that uh, i'm having some issue with i like how it's uh first of all it's the raspberry pi that i have it's the brand new one the raspberry pi 3b i think it's called and uh it was on sale for 35 bucks when it came out from MCM Electronics, I believe is the American distributor. It's uh, really set up really easy for me. The Raspberry Pi 3 has got Wi-Fi and, and Bluetooth built in, uh, which I believe the previous versions nice. of the Pi didn't have those. You had to add a separate board. Right. It's got a faster processor than the previous one. This is a full like 1.0 something gig processor, uh, which is uh, nice. And um, they've added preliminary support for the Daphne... Uh, Laserdisc emulator, which nice. I understand that uh, Raspberry Pi really isn't powerful enough to run that. I'm still probably going to give her a shot just to see what's up with it, but uh, I'm not expecting much out of it. But uh, what it does, it does fine. And you, you can load the ROMs directly onto the uh, the micro SD before you put it in, or put it on a USB thing and USB flash drive, pop it in one of the flash or one of the USB ports on it. 
Or if you've got it got it in there and you want to put more in, if you're in a Windows environment, it might work in, it probably works in Mac too. I don't know how since I don't own one. But uh, you can just uh, open up a, uh, a window and just type in slash slash RetroPie. And you can just drag and drop directly to it. So, I mean, that's kind of nice to do. Um, you know, if you have your PC in one room and the, and the RetroPie in the other, you can just use your Wi-Fi router to drag and drop stuff into it, which is pretty cool. Yep. And um, the only problem I'm really having with it at this point, well, first of all, did I really go into it? I don't think I really had my red, my uh, anything set up with it last time we talked, did I? I don't think um, so, no. The only problem I had is to get the audio to go through the HDMI cable. There was two lines that I had to uncomment in a config file. It took me a while to figure that out, but once I did, I mean, it was, I was going to say easy as pie, but I didn't really mean the pun. It was a piece Normally, of cake. It's a piece of cake. Thank you. Normally, <laughs> the best puns are the unintentional ones, if there is a such thing as a good pun. But um, There is a good pun. The only reason a pun is bad is because you're too jealous that you didn't think of it. You know what? There's some wisdom in that. Not exactly sure where, but it's there. And um, I'm just having a blast with it. Uh, my goal, there is a sweet sweet Nintendo-styled controller from a... Uh, I believe it's a Korean company called 8-Bit-Do. And it's uh, it's styled after the classic NES controller. The differences are it is, first of all, it's Bluetooth, totally wireless. It's uh, ergonomically shaped. It's got two um, uh, analog uh, thumbsticks on it. But the design is pure NES. I'm going to send a link of that and so we can post it in the show notes. This is a really cool-ass controller, and I really want to get this thing and uh, try it out on the uh, on my Raspberry Pi. I'll tell you what, man. This thing, I'm, I'm just having so much fun with this thing. And, in fact, I'm seriously considering getting a second Raspberry Pi to see what else I could do with it. It's probably one of the neatest devices I've ever seen in my life. I, quite and they're honest. cheap, too. That's the, the best thing about yeah, it. And they're cheap. I mean, you can uh, add on a whole bunch of stuff, but... You know, the stuff that you need, mouse, keyboard, monitor, whatever, you've probably got all that stuff in your house already. And to power it, all you need, if you've got a, a an Android-type phone around the house, you could pretty much just use an off-the-shelf uh, Android power supply. What I'd really love to do is see if I can find some kind of a battery pack for it, you know? They probably make one. The guy who created RetroPie, I think it's the same guy who created RetroPie, created an interface card for it, which will allow you to hook up a NES or SNES port to it, so you can use an NES or a real NES or SNES uh, controller. Cool. I'm not going to do it because I don't want to solder and deal with all the configurations. I just like to keep the stuff simple. But then again, I'm talking about getting Bluetooth for it, and I have no idea how to set that up. But I'm having I'm having a lot of fun with this. My only regret is, uh, well, no, not a regret, but my only problem at this point is trying to figure out how I want to mount this thing into a case of some sort. I was thinking about tearing apart one of my uh, CX-40s, but I'm like, I don't really want to do that. But I did just remember that I did get for Christmas uh, about, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, one of those plug-and-play Atari 2600 joystick things that had like 10 games in it. I enjoyed the gift, but um, I'm thinking about maybe just... uh, popping the innards out of that and just using that. The only problem is, is I wouldn't, you know, set it up to where I could use the uh, the actual joystick. Oh, by the way, if anybody knows, because this is something I want to do, 
If anybody knows of a way to hook up an actual ColecoVision controller to the Raspberry Pi through RetroPie, please drop us a line here at uh, at the Pi Fact was it Pi Factory podcast or Pi Factory at uh, Fab4IT.com. Pi Factory at Fab4IT.com. Because I want to know how to do that, because I really want to use my ColecoVision controllers on the ColecoVision games, because the pain in the ass with the ColecoVision, and I'm assuming the Intellivision emulation, which is a part of it, is uh, you have to have the keyboard hooked up so that you can hit all of the, oh, yeah. the number functions, you know, like on the keypad. I would rather just be able to throw a ColecoVision controller on there and, uh, you know, and have at it that way. So if anybody knows how to do that, email us here, let me know. I really want to do that, so... So that's what I've been up to. <laughs> yeah, lots of fun. Yeah, and, I've, uh, I've had a Raspberry Pi for a long time, and I still haven't gotten beyond just getting it to boot into the regular OS. I haven't installed the RetroPie or anything onto it yet. I just which model had, did you say you had? It's the previous model. Okay, like the 2B, I believe? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, they, um, the uh, the version of RetroPie for the 3 is 3.6. I believe the 2 can use version 3.5, but not 3.6. I could be wrong on that, um, but uh, we'll uh, put a link in the show notes to the uh, the website that has the uh, RetroPie downloads. And, um, wow, I mean, this thing emulates everything. I mean, as I said, Daphne and ColecoVision and television, all the Atari consoles, uh, the Amiga... DOS, oh man, the Scum VM, which is uh, the development system that LucasArts used for all of their point-and-click adventures. I really want to put Zach McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders on there. That was my favorite of their point-and-click adventures. Oh, what else? I mean, it's it's just a huge long list of everything it emulates. And um, you know, someone at work was telling me that I believe it was Western Digital has introduced a solid-state hard drive created specifically for the Raspberry Pi. Really? Um, I, ha- I have not looked this up yet. Uh, I was just told about it... Um, I think I was just told about it today, now that I think about it. And um, I have to look this up, because what he was telling me was that it actually has enough power in the hard drive to power up... The, the hard drive has its own power supply. It has enough power to power up the hard drive and the Pi. And if that's the case... I would be stupid not to get one of these things. But I still got to look into it. It sounds a little too incredible, but I don't doubt that if it's not out there, somebody's working on it. But yeah, so as I've said a moment or two ago before I kept rambling on and on, uh, that was my weekend. A couple of programming notes. First of all, if you're not listening to Super Podcast Brothers, you're missing out. That's a great podcast. I was a guest on the most current version of the ColecoVisions podcast. They were talking about the Coleco Adam games, specifically the Donkey Kong and Zaxxon. And I rambled on for about a half hour on there about my experiences with the Coleco Adam. So you might want to check Groundskeeper Ray and everybody over there at the ColecoVisions podcast. Uh, good guys over there. Really good guys. And um, I think with that, um, are we ready to go into some addenda and errata? So we get to talk all about your experiences, huh? Mine. Well, what were your experiences with the Coleco Adam, huh? Well, none. Well, there you but go. But you get to talk about all about the retro pie, and I don't get to talk about nothing. I see how it is. Sniff. Oh, well, we talked about your Sniff. adventures with the with the Ed Laden controller. Did you, uh, did you have more? I have more, really. So, really? Yeah, oh, I got well, the... Well, do uh, tell. Do yes. tell. 
So I got the um uh oh what the heck do you call those things? The cartridges with the things in them. Um um uh, Everdrive. Ever, Everdrive. Yes, I got that for the uh Sega Genesis. And Oh, you did. Yes, I did. And so I was all excited. I was like, "Yes, it's finally here." You know, I actually went out and got a SD card specifically for it. Mm-hmm. And turns out it takes micro SD, which I didn't know. There was there was a oh, wow. very That's brief. Weird. If you look at the documentation online, it's kind of ambiguous. It, like it usually, it keeps referring to the SD card, the SD card, the SD card. And it's really easy to miss the one part where it mentions the micro SD card. <laughs> the, well, if the micro part you didn't see it because the word said micro, it was in parentheses. Exactly. Yes. And um, I haven't had a chance to get the micro SD card yet, so I don't know how this thing works on my uh, retro dual portable. And that's kind of weird that that takes the micro SD because the Sega Master System version, which the cartridges for the Genesis, the Master System are roughly about the same size. I think the Master System ones might be a touch smaller, uh, but the Master System one takes uh, just a regular SD card. Yeah, so does the uh, the uh, SNES and NES versions as well. It's so kind of weird. I'm kind of wondering why they went with that choice, unless it's something to do with space in the... Uh in the cartridge, but I really wouldn't see why that would be. It doesn't seem like that'd be an issue. Um, but in the meantime, what I'm trying to do now is basically take my loose Atari 2600 and 7,800 cartridges and upgrade them to complete in box versions. Mm -hmm. And so something I'm really getting into right now is some of the early, early, early 2600 titles. They're very, very, very first issues came in gatefold boxes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to I'm trying to build up mm-hmm. a collection of those. Right now I have Combat Starship Surround and Blackjack. I remember when we got our first 2600 for Christmas, we had the Blackjack and I do remember specifically it being in a uh, gatefold box. Yeah, and the cartridge on the uh, end label, it had both the title of the game and its the last two digits of its uh yes. part number mm-hmm. on it. So It's like Blackjack 51 or something like that is exactly. what the cartridge reads. Yeah, so combat is zero one. Oh, Starship. combat oh yeah. one, right? Yeah, so I have I have combat starships around black and blackjack uh, right now, and on the on their way to me is Indy five hundred and um, uh, air sea battle in said. Does Indy five hundred have the driving controllers? It comes with the driving controllers. Yeah, good. You can't play it without them. Yeah, I I already have two of those things. Oh, well, there you go. That's a, you know what, when I originally had that way back in the Ferg, I didn't really care much for it, but now that I'm older, that's really, really a fun game. Especially if you got someone, you know, to race against. That reminds me of a, there's a, an arcade game. I don't remember if it was Monte Carlo. I think it's Le Mans, actually. The Indy mm-hmm. 500 kind of reminds me of it's you, you just it's a uh, bird's eye view you just drive around the track I think it's Le Mans I might be wrong I just played it on- you know it's funny the, a couple of years ago and, and I actually posted this on Orcade and I think you uh, you might remember this story um, I was at actually at a funeral at a some funeral home in Joliet and they had this is a new facility and they had like a, a children's room in the basement and. Damned if they didn't have an arcade video game down there. They had Atari's Monte Carlo. It was, uh, and it's a top-down. I mean, it's a scrolling screen, but it's a, it's a top-down, and um, it was in really good shape for being in a funeral home at all. And uh, that was just kind of weird. Well, it was probably <laughs> well preserved. Oh, it's Le Mans that I'm thinking of. Le Mans is the one that that re- I was playing at Underground Retro okay. Kid last time I went, and I was like, "Ooh, this is just like Indy 500 on the uh, on the Atari 2600." So, 
Ah, there you go. Because well, I was having, I, was, I went there. I was having a really bad day in terms of getting my scores up and stuff. So I just started playing games I never, ever, ever played before, just so I could have some scores on arcade, just <laughs> to make up for my crappy day of gaming, which I'll get to uh, again later on today. But. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and I, uh, I, I've only got the one score on Orcade, and I was actually playing uh, Gyrus on uh, my RetroPie the other night, oh. and uh, I, I uh, improved upon my uh, Gyrus score, but uh, it doesn't count if you're playing it in emulation, so I'm going to have to, I'm going to be, well, it's kind of late to tell people now, but on the uh, 30th, I'm going to be at, um, at Open, I'm taking the week off, i got to watch the kids, at Open at Galloping Ghost to see you know, just to hang out with with uh, with a friend and uh, bring my other two children, and um, you know, have some fun. And hopefully, get some scores on Gyrus, and hopefully, be able to hear the music when all the other machines are kind of like not being played. So, honestly, I say things about Galloping Ghost. The only complaint I have really about the place is I just can't hear Gyrus's music. You might be you able know? to now because again, they like we said last time they opened yes, the expansion. They opened that new expansion. And, we'll and have I, to see. And I knew that I know that some of the games they had on the main floor got moved over into the expansion, Good. so they might have freed up some space, freed up some sound waves. Good because Gyrus is a fun game without the music, but you it's an amazing it. game. It's amazing game with the music. So, uh, have you anything else to add? Uh, I'm not going to use the something plus something joke tonight. Sorry, folks. Oh, to sum it up. Oh, gosh, that doesn't really work there, does it? Okay, so uh, shall oh, we totally. move on to a dent? <laughs> ah, the power I give you. Okay, so uh, should we get on to Addenda and Arata then? Oh, let's do it exponentially. Why? Because you gave me the power. Ah! Oh! Oh, oh, getting into the new math there. Okay. <laughs> So, um, we've been getting some comments about our last episode, and um, between the You Sucks, which are always uh, quite a few, um, Yet there was actually a... Yeah, keep listening. Yeah, no kidding. I don't get that. You suck, you suck, you suck. Hey, as long as I'm getting the Benjamins, you know... Oh, that's I'll, right. I'll, yeah. Yeah. Uh, wait a minute. We're not getting any Benjamins, are we? No, not unless <laughs> people are uh, giving some Patreon submissions, but... Uh... That's true. That is true. Um, I always like to say, uh, you know, Andrew Jackson is my friend. I wish I had more friends like him. There was a comment uh, that was made. Did I say it? I think I did. Where uh, I had mentioned that Mike Kennedy uh, stepped down. I don't even remember what I said. Uh, Mike Kennedy stepped down from Retro Magazine. Um, I could have sworn I read that somewhere. Um, I I think I know where you read that. Okay. Uh, there was an article posted on Atari.io, but it wasn't Mike Kennedy. It was actually David, uh, I, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, David Giltinan, I think it's pronounced, who was the managing editor of Retro Magazine. And he was also ah. a big part of the Coleco Chameleon. And he basically okay. said, you know, all this crap that happened with the Chameleon, he's like, I'm, I'm stepping away from it completely. Okay. I must That's have seen, that must, that must be what it was, and I must have misread that. So, um Apologies, my very most humble apologies. They're so humble that I'm not even using the letter H. So uh, I apologize for that. Um, no, no, I can't do any more damage to the whole Coleco Chameleon debacle. But um, yeah, it doesn't you know, even tried... matter at this point, really. <laughs> no, real, no, it don't. But just uh, wanted to set the record straight on that for the most part. So uh, 
So there you go. Uh, I made a mistake. I'm a big enough guy to admit when I make a mistake. Uh, I don't usually admit I, when I make a mistake because not only am I a big guy, but I'm also a stubborn ass. But, uh, you know, I will admit it from time to time and I'm admitting it now. So there you go. Um, do we have anything, uh, any addenda and errata towards the games that we had talked about last time? Um, not the games we talked about last time, at least not as far as I've seen. But games that we talked about previous times. Previously on Pie Factory Podcast. Specifically episode number 22 when we talked about Rally X and Junior Pac-Man. Okay. Now, back then, uh, when I was talking about the uh, world records, I had said that the world record for Junior Pac-Man high speed setting was set by Patrick Scott Patterson uh, Mm -hmm. with a score of 446,040. Oops, I need to change that. Oh, the actual, according to Twin Galaxies, the world record for Junior Pac-Man turbo settings uh-huh. now belongs to some guy named, um, uh, it says here, Sean Courtney. Ever hear that I guy? I wonder who that is. I don't know, but uh, it was verified March 20th, 2016, score of 451,080. So whoever- Golf clap. So congratulations, uh, guy who happens to have the exact same uh, first and last name as me. Oh, yeah. it was me. Oh, of course. And I thought I had the bad memory. Ho. Oh. Wow. <laughs> the crazy thing is I think the, the last time we had talked, what happened was I had submitted the video. Mm-hmm. and uh, Yes, and they were in the process of trying to verify it at that point. Yeah. yeah, what happens now with Twin Galaxies is if you want to have a record on tour, or any score at all, it doesn't have to be a world record. You can still submit uh, just to have your name on the leaderboard. What you have mm-hmm. to do is upload a video of your performance along with anything else you can pr- provide, like pictures of the the system the, the board, dip switches, the dip switches, yeah, yeah et cetera, just okay. to make sure that everything's set the, the way they want it and everything. Yeah. And I didn't actually have that. I just had the video. Uh, Scott at Underground Retrocade was very nice enough to set up a couple of cameras showing me actually playing it, showing the screen with the gameplay and everything. And the way that Junior Pac-Man is, um, in fact, pretty much all the Pac-Man games, you can tell what the dip switch settings are just from the gameplay. Mm-hmm. So there are plenty of people who are like, okay, this looks good to me. I'm going to accept I'm going to accept this. Uh, basically, if you're a member of the Twin Galaxies forum, what you do is you watch the video and you make a determination. Is this a, a valid submission? And you vote yes or no. So there are some people voting yes, but there were other people who weren't willing to place a vote either way yet. Mm-hmm because they actually wanted to see things to make sure that perhaps I wasn't running emulation or anything. Well, that's, that's cool that they actually didn't vote. No. Yeah. Yeah. Because and that uh, would have, and what sucked. happened was uh, next time I went to underground retrocade and I, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm officially right now proclaiming my undying devotion to underground retrocade for this. I went to under, underground retrocade and I noticed Scott wasn't really in the best shape of his life. Uh, I, th- I think he, I think he was having back problems or something that day. Mm-hmm. I think he's better now, but, uh, but still there was a little bit of me that said, oh, you know, I want to see if I can just, just get some f- closure on this thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, you know, I'll ask Scott if maybe he can send, uh, send his son over here to, to, you know, pull out the, the game board and everything. Cause his son was working that day. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, usually at least one or more of his family members is there with him working. So I said, I said, Hey Scott, is there any way we can uh, get a picture of, uh, the innards of your junior Pac-Man turbo? He said, I said, well, it's twin galaxies giving you a hard time. I said, well, it's not so much. They're giving you a hard time. They just want some solid proof. And so mm-hmm. with his bad back, he actually pulled out the cabinet. Wow. 
Yeah, and uh, th- and uh, put together some video of uh, the system board. He had pictures of the dip switches and everything, and you know he put everything back together, put it back in place, and you know I uh, I went back into the into the thread about my submission, and I said, well, here's some more evidence, and almost immediately it got marked as nice. accepted. I think it's because there was one guy in the thread who wasn't mm-hmm. willing to vote yet. And the way things work on Twin Galaxies is you have what's called credibility points. Mm-hmm. And the more credibility points you have, the more weight your vote has. Like, not okay. everybody's vote is equal. And I think the one guy who was holding out had a ton of credibility points. So he all was I a was super ne- delegate. Pretty much, yeah. He was a super-duper turbo delegate, I think. <laughs> so, and immediately, I was like, whoa! So there it was. And here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. You know, after, and by the way, I, I told Scott up, I was like, dude, here, let me do that for you. Or he's like, no, I got it. I got it. Don't worry. And, you know, I told him, Scott, seriously, man, you're, you, you know, give yourself a rest. He said, actually, I feel much better now. It's <laughs> <So> like, <laughs> I guess whatever he did, like maybe, maybe pulled his back back into place or something. You know, but, uh, we, we, we talk about uh, Galloping Ghost and Underground Retrocade, uh, you know, Scott and Doc Mack quite a bit. Uh, seriously, those guys will bend over backwards for you. Yeah, he pretty much literally did this time. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I mean, the Doc, Doc, and, Doc and Scott are just the two of the greatest guys you'll ever meet. Yeah, absolutely. And what I, lo- what I love about those guys is uh, you go to Underground Retrocade. Like, let's, let's say you're, you're flying in just for a couple of days just to, to, for whatever, and you stop in an Underground Retrocade. Scott's going to say, make sure before you go back home, you go, to, you go to Galloping Ghost. You go over to Galloping Ghost, Doc will tell you, make sure before you go home, you go to Underground mm-hmm. Retrocade. I still wish I would have met, uh, I think it was Vic from, yeah, uh, yeah. from uh, Tenpence uh, when he came to Chicago back in December. I so kicking myself for having not been able to get up to, to meet him. But I talked to him about it. It's like, hey, you know, it was Christmas time. You know, people yeah. are busy. Totally understandable. But, uh, you know, if he ever comes back, I'm definitely going to take the day off of work if the, you know, if it's the Cubs haven't won the World Series by then. So. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I and I know like like Vic and I exchange kind of insults back and forth, but I really do like Vic quite a lot actually. Oh, that's a great show. Even, I love I that mean, show. I mean, even though he t- even though I mean, yeah, he says that we sound like a couple of uh what was the, the words he was saying? A couple of corny American-, American DJs. <laughs> but the, the 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 thing was, we were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at least at- he was accurate. He didn't even know. He doesn't know our background. We we I, we both me both me and you worked in radio. Yeah, yeah. We, we may be cheesy American DJs, but at least we can pronounce xenophobe correctly. Ho zing! <laughs> and we got it from the game's creator, Nikola Tesla. Yes, that's right. Yes. So, um, <laughs> going back to this whole story, so I, yeah. you know, I, so Scott takes the, takes the pictures and video of the uh, the system board in Junior Pac Man Turbo. And later that night, just for laughs, I was like, you know what? Let me play another game of Junior Pac-Man Turbo. I ended up getting over 600,000 on the damn thing and no video. I had no video of it. So it's like, oh man, at least I could register it on arcade.com because they don't, right. all they, all they care about is the word of the, of as the long arcade as you're adjudicated. Owner. Yeah, exactly. But Twin yeah. Galaxies, you have to provide the proof. And I even wanted to share that picture on the thread, but by the time I got to Twin Galaxies, like the vote had already ended, and, the, and when the vote ends, they lock the thread, so there's no more um, there's there's no more discussion. 
I have to check out their forums. I haven't done that. Yeah, it's really interesting. I've been I've been watching some adjudication videos lately. It's a good way to learn some skills. It really is. Really? I, I'll have to check that out. What if I'm really interesting, almost, man, I wouldn't say tragic, but kind of, you know, disappointing a little bit, was I watched a video of uh, some guy playing Robotron in May. Oh, hold it. This week in Robotron. Okay. I was uh, watching video of some guy playing Robotron through MAME. They allow MAME. It's just a separate category from arcade. Mm-hmm. And he had a really cool run. He of uh, he got he got a pretty a pretty cool score. And everybody's like, "Wow, good job, man! We accept it. We accept this." And then someone stepped in and and said, "Wait a minute! This guy actually had a second credit in his submission because what what he did in the video of his submission, he played one game of Robotron, and then he hit." number five on the keyboard or whatever to, to insert another coin, then start over again, which apparently is against the rules at twin galaxies. If you're submitting a main score, you have to play just one credit. And if you're going to start again, then you have to actually exit Mame, open it up again and reload everything. I don't know. Really? Why that, yeah. I don't know why that hmm. is. I'm wondering if maybe it's to, because MAME does have kind of like an information screen every time you open it up, but I don't think it provides that kind of information. I think it's more like historical information about the game. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I don't know. Someone, that's a good question. And someone else pointed out how in some games that's just kind of not a really good rule because like sometimes there's a random number generator that depends on the previous game. Like Berserk, if you just keep starting from a fresh boot of MAME, you're going to get pretty much the same game every time. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. T- did we discuss that? Yeah, and I think there was uh, there was some other game they were talking about there that they actually make an exception for, because you have to show what the dip switch settings are. You have to go into the dip switch screen, mm-hmm. and for one game, there the rules are that you have to have them in a certain situation. You have to have the dip switches in a certain position that are not the default, and it takes forever and a day to get the dip switches in the right. So for that game, they allow you to like start over with a new credit without actually rebooting MAME. Hmm. But it, it was just interesting. And what happens is if you vote a video up, if you vote a submission up and it ends up getting accepted, then you get more credibility points. Mm-hmm. If the final decision disagrees with your vote, then you lose credibility points. And in fact, you lose a lot more credibility points than you would gain. Interesting. And also with every successful adjudication that you do, meaning that you vote a submission up and everybody agrees and it gets accepted that way, or if you vote it down and it gets accepted that way, you gain what's called a submission point, and you need mm-hmm. three submission points in order to submit your own attempt. Oh, oh, interesting. When you sign up on the Twin Galaxies forums, you, you automatically get a free submission. Oh, nice. Which is how I was able to submit my Turbo Junior Pac-Man. Nice, nice. Well, that's pretty good. Once again... Kudos to you, Sean, for uh, or whoever it was that got that score. Who happens to have uh, uh, the the same first and last name that I do? Yeah, so you know, kudos. Um, I don't know if I'll ever attain anything like that, but uh, I'm gonna keep trying. I'm gonna keep practicing on Gyrus. Well, my advice uh, to you is pick a game that is very, very rare, such as the Turbo variety of Junior Pac-Man. There aren't many of those around. That's probably why I was able to get away with that. Uh, I'll, you know what? I'll look for a uh, pirated version of some arcade game 
instead of Gyrus, uh, I'll, I'll I'll look for like Rijus or you know something like there that. There you go. Or or, and, uh, or learn how to play Super Dodgeball really really quickly because I think Underground Retrocade is the only place that has it. So I really? can imagine there are a lot of arcade submissions on that one. And that and the thing is, it's a double edged sword because the video that I did last Friday when I said, "Hey, I'm going to do a stream really quickly," that was actually an attempt at a world record at the 7800 Junior Pac Man. Uh-huh. And I submitted that, but the problem is, number one, it's Atari 7800. They don't have as many people watching the videos over there because not many people are familiar with it. And number two, it's a homebrew. homebrew. Even though there's a track for it, not many people have it and can really, they've, not many people feel comfortable giving a definitive yay or nay. So that one's going to take a while to get any kind of action going. Mm-hmm. Action, like in Vegas. Anyway, so. that's what I have to... Uh, addend? Addend, I guess. And then, and uh, I think that's pretty much everything. I think we were fairly perfect on our last episode. I didn't hear of any complaints, or rather, I didn't listen to any complaints on the la- on the last episode. Yeah, so yeah, uh, that's because you were not the one who had to talk to Hyde Saint Pierre and say, uh, "Yeah, um, can you hurry up and do a quick episode for us because I effed up and uh, messed up the podcast <laughs> while you were away." <laughs> Yeah, so, that's that's true. Sorry, yeah. Hyde. And by the way, that's another quick update for everybody. Yeah, you probably heard the story. You know, I spilled cherry coke on my MacBook Pro, brand new thing. Um, all I can say is, seriously, folks, if you have an expensive device and the warranty does not cover accidents, get Square Trade. It saved my life. Seventy-five dollar deposit. They fixed my MacBook Pro, and in fact, what happened was when I got it back, not only was it fixed, but also. There was no data loss, which surprised the hell out of me. And not only was there no data loss, but when I booted the thing up, it actually put me back right in the exact same spot. In uh, I think I was using Audacity when you know when Hyde was mm-hmm. on vacation. I was trying to edit the show myself. It put you know, me in the Audacity exact same people. spot where basically the shit hit the fan. All righty. So again, good job, Hyde. Yeah, and good job, Square Trade. So yeah, and Hyde, you're um, you're, you're a busy man. <laughs> I'm Andy. And I'm Tim. And we're the Super Podcast Brothers. After the show, be sure to check us out at superpodcastbros.com. But until then, sit back, relax, and know it's not time for clacks. It's time for the greatest classic arcade show, present, future, or past. It's time for the Pie Factory Podcast. And thanks again to our good friends over at... Super Podcast Brothers, and of course, I... One of whom is actually our, one of our sponsors. Yes, actually one of them, Andy is. And um, I'm so horrible remembering names. Um, Andy Ryerson and... Um, Tim Evans. Tim Evans, that's it. Tim Evans. And um, it's funny because uh, their uh, current episode is about uh, baseball games. They're talking about how uh, they're both Cub fans. <laughs> and, and how uh, when uh, when they were at uh, the pinball convention in Chicago this last November, I believe it was, uh, Andy was wearing his uh, Chicago Cubs shirt, and every, people were coming up to him and talking baseball with him. <laughs> and that was just so awesome. And uh, he also, bonus points to that episode for making reference to the quote-unquote hated White Sox. So... <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard the new episode yes. yet. So I, I'm, yes, not a huge fan of baseball games, have, um, but uh, it, it's still a good. I episode. have my own thoughts on the White Sox, and I know you're totally going to disagree with me, but I'll save that for like not the podcast. I actually don't hate the White Sox. <laughs> um, I just I'm indifferent to them, basically for the most part. Yeah, the way I see it, it's they're the Chicago White Sox, not the South Side White Sox. Yeah, but, I'm not going to hey. root for them. I'm not going to root against them either. 
So, you know, they, they you are go. they are what they are. You know, people like them. You know, God bless them. I'm a Cubs fan. So, all righty. So with that. And I don't like baseball at all. So, hey. Well, hey, you're a Cubs fan that doesn't like baseball, which is pretty much every Cubs fan. I'm not really a Cubs fan. I'm just going to be really, really happy if they do take the World Series. Cause when? On a day when you're not working. On a day, well, on a day when I'm not working or on a day when I'm on my bike. Because I can, Wrigleyville is easier to deal with on a bike than it is on a train 20 feet above the, above the ground. Trust me on that. Uh, having ridden the train to Wrigley Field, I totally get that. So, all right. Well, what do you say we move on to some games? We move on to some games. That's what I say. All together. So, um, I think what we shall do, let's do these uh, in alphabetical order again. And let's go with, ah, uh, Popeye. Um, Ooh, Popeye? Yes, Popeye. Uh, in this game, we're Popeye. Hey, and Olive Oil is throwing stuff down from the top of the screen. In the first level, she's throwing down hearts. In the second level, she's throwing down musical notes. And in the third one, she's screaming, help, help. And you have to catch the letters that spell help. And just for clarification, uh, respectively, that is the dock stage, the street stage, and the ship stage. Yeah, I was wondering what that one was called. I didn't, I hadn't, I was just going to say, like, the second one was like the town, and the third one was obviously the ship because it's shaped like a ship. But so, at any rate, the object, Popeye's got to catch all of these. I believe it's uh, 30 hearts in the first stage, it might be 24. You know, I never did count this stuff. Well, maybe we should count that now. What do you think? We know that for the the ship stage, most likely it's a number divisible by four, since there are four letters in help. Mm-hmm. Help if I learned how to spell Popeye before I do a Google search. And, uh, oh, in Japan, the game is called Popeye, spelled P-O-P-A-I. First screen is 24 hearts. Second screen is 16 musical notes, and in the third screen, 24 letters in the word help. Oh, that's interesting that it's 16 musical notes, because those are actually 16th notes that she's throwing down from the heart. Ah, it, they yeah. are, aren't they? Yeah, leave it to a, uh, leave it to a music, uh, musical guy. Musical, well, I was going to say genius, but I think that's kind of... No. No, a musical guy about that. But then again... Not a genius, I'm just a hardworking guy. Compared to me, you're a musical genius, though. Uh, I like Panic at the Disco. Although, what they said in the song off their last album is true. You're just like Mike Love, but you're trying to be Brian Wilson. So Yeah, I don't want to be Mike Love. So that's a great lyric. You're going to have to explain oh, great. that to now me. Now I'm going to get sued for saying that. Great. You're going to have to explain that to me someday. So, cause <laughs> but at any rate, let's go talk about Popeye some more. So, ah, Popeye. Ah, Popeye. So anyway, you got to collect 24 hearts on the first screen, and every time you pick one up, it will display in the little house on the left top left of the screen that says Popeye on the town screen it'll fill up the little hollow musical notes at the top of the screen on the third screen uh, it handles it differently every time you catch a letter it builds a ladder from the lowest part of the ship all the way up to the top where olive oil is and uh, on the third screen which I don't kind of like the, uh, the I guess it's kind of like the equivalent of Donkey Kong's uh, rivet screen or Junior's uh, you know key screen Popeye climbs up and rescues olive oil once and for all. Enemies. Every screen you have Brutus, not Bluto, Brutus, and the Sea Hag. The Sea Hag will appear every now and then just throw bottles at you. I believe she throws it's either four or five. Can't remember off the top of my head. Bluto can throw a single bottle at you. Who? Oh, I said Bluto. Brutus can throw multiple bottles at you. Sometimes he will throw one at you while... The sea hag is throwing some at you from the opposite direction. And, you know, I think I got that wrong. The sea hag only throws one. Brutus yeah. throws four. 
that he has other moves he can do too. He can jump up and knock you off the platform above him, or he can reach down and knock you off the platform below him, or he can jump down and knock you off the platform below him. Do you have, as Popeye, what is your weapon? Spinach. There's one can of spinach per stage. When you eat it, all of the hearts, musical notes, or letters in the word help will freeze, so you could collect those while they're still staying still. But you can also uh, defeat Brutus. I find the best way to do it is to, after you eat the spinach, uh, go to the, like, the top of the stairs, the level above him, wait for him to come to you, just walk down the stairs, boom, he's dead. And Popeye automatically punches. You don't need yeah, to Yeah, you don't need button. to punch him. I did forget to mention that uh, the console has a four-way joystick and a punch button. There is no jumping in this game, which comes in, which is important on the uh, the town and the ship screen, by the way. Yeah, and Brutus can jump. That's the crazy Brutus thing. can jump. You can't. Yeah. Uh, so it, and, of course, because this is Nintendo, the joystick is all the way on the left. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, that's never bothered me, um, that kind of setup. And I'm right-handed. So I, I don't know what that is. I don't know. But uh, that's just me, I guess. But um, you have one other weapon you can use on the... Now, you cannot touch Brutus at all. If you touch Brutus at all, even if you punch him, you die. You can only touch him if you have the power of the spinach. Otherwise, you just got to avoid him and avoid the bottles that he and the sea, the sea, sea hag... I almost said something else. Throws at you. Um, you do have one other weapon on the first screen that you can use against Brutus. Each of the screens has one like special thing on it. Usually they're like transportation or for bonus points. Uh, the first one is a weapon you can use against Brutus. And that is a barrel at the top of the screen. Now, what happens with the barrel is you can, on the to the right of it, to, to the ledge to the right, uh, under Popeye's house, there is a punching bag. If you go off the edge of the rightmost platform and you punch the punching bag, the barrel will fall down. If you do everything in the correct order, uh, it's really kind of hard to not, you know, to not do this, he will stop right under a partial ladder in the middle of the screen. If you hit that punching bag and you time it right, the barrel will go on his head and you can pass right through him for a few seconds uh, you know, and pick up all of the hearts or whatever. It's usually a good time to hit him with the spinach too. Personally, I try to wait on the spinach uh, so that I have an additional weapon for a little bit later on. There you go. Just to make things easier. A couple of things I have neglected to mention about the behavior of the hearts and the help letters and the musical notes. Uh, olive oil will, like, speak them from the top of the screen, and they will float all the way down in different ways. And if they reach the bottom of the screen, they will slowly sink down. You have a few seconds to pick them up, and you'll hear a sound effect that uh, indicates that uh, you only have a few seconds to pick them up before they disappear. Yeah, it's like this tragic melodramatic music. Yes, yes it it's is. It's very true. In many ways, this game is very true to the cartoon. It really is. It, it's it really way. is. That is quite uh, quite amazing how true to the cartoon this thing really is. Uh, it's no secret that uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, I believe it was, from Nintendo, wanted to do a game based on Popeye, and the rumor has it that Donkey Kong was originally supposed to be a Popeye game. Yes. But they couldn't get the license, so later on they eventually got the license, and they created this, which... This does not look like it was originally a Donkey Kong type game. This looks like it was always a Popeye game. So, just throwing that out there. Uh, so, what was I talking about? Oh yeah. So uh, that was the deal with the uh, the bucket on the second screen. Uh, one another thing I neglected to mention on the first and the second screen, you will notice at on a certain platform there is an arrow that says through on the left and the right hand side of the screen. 
On that platform and that platform only, you can warp from one side of the screen to the other. You cannot do that on the ship screen. There is no warping from one side to the other on the ship screen. So just uh, throw that out there. As far as special items go, on the second screen, there is a little seesaw with Wimpy on it. Wimpy eating, of course, his hamburger, for which he will gladly pay you Tuesday. If you jump off the platform, it's jump off. If you fall off the platform that's just above him to the right, he's sitting on the side of a seesaw. He will bounce up, come back down, and he'll pop you up to the top of the screen. Now, also on that side of the screen is Sweepy, and she's for some reason... Actually, it's a he, isn't it? I think it's a boy. Yeah. In the movie, at least, he was a boy. So he's uh, he's floating in the air on a helium-filled balloon, which good parenting there. If you are able to catch him when you bounce up, it will put you on the topmost platform of the screen, plus give you some bonus points. If you can't catch him, you will land safely on the platform just below that one. If Brutus is not standing there. If Brutus is standing there, there, you still... Or a bottle. If there is a bottle there, or if Brutus is there, you will still die. You are not invincible at all unless you eat the spinach. Um, which really is pointless at that point, because I believe all the bottles disappear if they're already on the screen when you eat the spinach. I think so. Now, on the third screen, you have one new enemy, but you also have a special feature on it as well. On the topmost platform, there is a moving platform, which moves back and forth, but if you get on it and you walk, say, to the left, you will walk on it and you will move to the left along with the platform. If you go to the right, it'll do the same thing. But there is also a vulture which keeps coming out, which you can punch for bonus points. Again, you touch it, you're dead. And something I only learned today, Hmm. the vulture has a name. Oh, really? What is the vulture's name? The vulture's name is Bernard. I want to think I used to know that. Huh. That must be from, from, one of the, from one of the versions of the cartoons, like probably the same version that had the sea hag and Brutus instead of Bluto. Hmm. And you know what? There's a whole... Why isn't it Bluto? Well, you know what? The easiest answer to that, lawyers. And uh, there's a great article on uh, the straightdope.com about that. We will link to that in the show notes. I don't really want to go into the whole the whole thing about that here, mainly because I don't really remember it, other than it involves lawyers. Long story short is that uh, King Features Syndicate thought that for God knows what reason, they didn't have the right to the character Bluto. So they created this new character who was very similar and called him Brutus. It turns out they really could have used Bluto all they wanted. Yeah, we'll link to that. It's a, it's, it's it is a kind of an article. interesting article, yes. There's definitely that, and I th- believe that is all I need to say about... Oh, actually, one other thing about Popeye, um, when it comes to the spinach, as I said, there's only one can of spinach per level. On the first and the third level, there are two different places it can appear, and it will disappear from one and go to the other constantly. On the second screen, there's only one place for the spinach, so it's not moving around, so you know right where it is, but um, again, you gotta watch out for uh, for Bluto. One of my favorite things to do... For whom? For, I'm sorry, for Brutus. For Brutus. <laughs> One of my favorite things to do in this game is to grab the spinach. This is on the uh, the second screen, the town screen. Is to grab the spinach while Brutus is on the uh, level above you and then hit the seesaw with Wimpy and uh, destroy uh, Brutus on your way up from the seesaw. That's a fun trick if you can do it. Yeah, I watched a couple of YouTube videos of this game, and I think that's a very common strategy. I've never, I, I can never get it right though. I've done it once or twice. I don't, I haven't had it happen very often. But um, that, in a nutshell, is 
I really got to get the uh, the Pie Factory uh, bingo cards made. Oh, we should get those made for Midwest Gaming Class. Oh, yes, we should. And the winner gets a, a nice bottle of <laughs> ranch dressing soda. <laughs> no, no, we love our listeners. Oh, man. So we wouldn't do that. I know where to get it. It's in my neighborhood. Anyway, that's all I need to say about um, the gameplay on Popeye. What have you to say about the game? Well, there's one addition that I'd like to make here. Besides, and no, we're not doing the addition joke again. Once you finish the first three rounds, there is a round counter, by the way, in the uh, corner of the screen. Yes, there is. R and then a number. Once you get to the fourth round, you have an additional obstacle. Oh. And that is a skull. <gasps> yes, that's right. Yeah, the sea hag drops a bunch of skulls at you, and they kind of bounce. They kind of d- decide what level they're going to start bouncing at you. So that adds an interesting challenge, and by interesting, I mean annoying challenge that always makes me die. Around. I know in fact, I've gotten to the fourth screen, but I don't remember yeah. that. Yeah, and I could have sworn that I had never gotten to the fourth screen before, or to the fifth screen, actually, before. And I got to the fifth screen last time I was at the Retrocade, and thing is, I was like, oh, man, I must have really beat my high score. No, I didn't. So I don't know what I did. <laughs> But uh, yeah, once you get to the fourth screen where the uh, stage starts over to the uh, dock stage, then you have to deal with skulls in addition to all the other obstacles. Aha. Uh-huh. Something I just uh, just found out here, and I did not know this. Oh, do tell. In the UK and Ireland, Popeye was put out by Atari. That's right. I yeah, did not know that until that. just the second. Huh. I want to see a picture of the Atari designed and manufactured cabinet, as it says on my source. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I did not know it was an Atari game overseas. This is yeah, kind of weird because how all of this kind of works, because I'm looking at this source of mine here, and it says in 2008, Namco released an enhanced remake of this game for yeah, mobile phones. Yeah, I noticed it. I know, not for iPhone, though. At least I couldn't find it for iPhone. I thought that was kind of... It's like, why Namco? Yeah, that's kind of kind of weird. I wonder if it has to do with the rights to the character. Maybe Nintendo might. lost the rights, but uh, as far as ports go, this was fairly widely ported, not as widely as Qbert or Frogger, but uh, it was on uh, systems like Atari 2600. I believe it was on the 5200, the 8-bits. Yes. I know it was yes. on the ColecoVision, because uh, as I mentioned on the ColecoVision's podcast, my dad was cheap and he bought Popeye, Qbert, and Frogger games for the ColecoVision only because there was a rebate on them. <laughs> I, I joke about my... I love my dad, but yeah, he is pretty cheap. I'll tell you what, though. The ColecoVision version looks really nice. It's pretty good. And it's probably the, 20, the best looking of the home versions I've seen. The 2600 version isn't bad. I have a story about that when, when we're ready for sure. it. But yeah, I was surprised at how good that was. It, it, it's not bad. I mean, it doesn't... One thing I love about this game is I mean, the kind of the... It's very 2600, but it's very good for 2600, right. too. And um, they, uh, there was actually a, an episode of Intari Visions. They talked about this game, and they talked about the Odyssey 2 version, and they said... Uh, oh, that God, was a pretty, have you said, seen that thing? They said that it was actually it played pretty good, if I'm not mistaken. It's a single-screen version, and it is the ugliest look if you look at that thing you would never ever 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 guess it was any kind of game that involves a human being oh one other thing i forgot to mention in this game i made allusion to uh allusion with an a to uh, the fact there are ladders in this game there are also staircases that's how you get between the different levels of each screen so anyway i forgot about that it was fairly widely ported and uh, the ports were all pretty good one thing i liked about the arcade game is how he punched it's not like in some games when you hit you have a punch button and it just your fists extend out a little bit Popeye like doubles in size because he extends his like his rear legs and his you know his legs behind him and his fists out to the front 
And uh, that's kind of always a, I always thought that was kind of neat. The, uh, the characters look exactly like what they're supposed to. Yep. Nice title screen too. And, um, I like this game. This is a fun, this is a fun, solid game. Not the best game in Nintendo's catalog, but it's, uh, it's certainly up there. I think it's one of Nintendo's, I hate to say it because this was pretty much in every arcade I went to, but I think it was one of Nintendo's maybe minor classics. I would rate it way up with uh, Donkey Kong 3, which is another one of their games, which I think doesn't get the love it deserves. I'm a big fan of the Popeye game. I'm sure it has to do with how I watched the Popeye cartoons uh, when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I watched them all the time, especially the black and white ones. The black and white ones were hilarious and uh, not a little bit racist. (laughs) And and you know what? This game has all of the uh, flavor of the cartoons. Well, it's specifically based on the King Features Syndicate version of the cartoon. Well, Brutus and all that. Yeah, and uh, which is what what they would show on the Bozo Show out here in in Chicago. And uh, I know that uh, I think it was uh, WFLD who would show the Popeye cartoons. What they would usually do is start with uh, one of the old color ones, and then a couple of mm-hmm. the old black and white ones, and then another color one. The color one might be the King Features Syndicate version from the '60s. It might be the newer ones with his nephews and those were the ones that were really bad mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah the ones that they showed on abc i remember seeing those when they were new yeah and, the, and they had those little oh i don't know how you explain those little you know kind of like the more you know kind of things with popeye in them takes care when you plays and has fun the same way says popeye the sailor man a tip for you from fox 32 yeah oh gosh what what, what were those uh yeah, he I, did, I, I, well, I remember one specifically that they did on the show about prescription drugs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's I, precious. Yeah, I specifically remember that one. <laughs> and um, uh, I bet you couldn't get away with doing Popeye today because he's smoking a pipe. Unless they made it a bubble and pipe or something. One of those little things that they did for the, for like between shows with the with Popeye and that was about smoking. Actually. Oh yeah, you know what? I, I remember that one now because they were saying. Uh, Popeye said, I don't smoke out of this. I toot out of it. And I'm like thinking, exactly. around like, our house, when you say you toot, that's a fart. So you're farting out of your pipe? And usually isn't when you toot with a pipe, doesn't that refer to like crack or something? Uh-oh. Yeah, it's like, So oh, he's boy. into the hard stuff, huh? That would explain a lot, actually. It sure would. It sure would. But yeah, I'm a fan of the game. I always was. I liked it since the day I first played it, which I'm pretty sure was at the Kroger in Bourbon A. And you know, the very first place I played this one... It wasn't at any place. Uh, wasn't at any place uh, that I've mentioned in the uh, in the show yet. Way back when, pretty much every every like retail business had at least one arcade machine, except the exception of maybe some fast food joints. But uh, you had like your laundromats had them. We t- talked about Rally X being a laundromat type game. Then um, you know some retail outlets would have them. Like uh, Sears had like a little arcade. But I actually played this in the entrance way at the Hornsby's Discount Store no in way. Morris, Illinois, back when Hornsby's was a thing. Wow, uh, that's where I got my copy of Yars of Revenge. I got it from Hornsby's in uh, Bradley. Oh, really? I didn't know they had one in Bradley. Yeah, it's not like a Riverside Medical Supply place or something. Oh, it's on I know Kennedy exactly Drive. what you're talking, yeah. Yep. That, I used to, you know what, I, as a kid I hated going shopping, but there was always something about going to Hornsby's. They yeah. were a local company. They're they're founded right here in Morris, by the way. The old I did not know that. Yes, their old uh, their very first store is right downtown. It's uh, I believe it's the Eagles Hall now. It's right across the street from the courthouse. And um, Hornsby's are still uh, big in the uh, big in the area here. They're into uh, real estate and all of that. But yeah, the uh, the uh, Hornsby's in Morris is now a 
I just thought of another theme for the today's two games. Oh, ho, 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 ho. I'm going to hold <laughs> off it on down the so you don't forget. I, I no, I know exactly what it is. I am going to wait. I'm going to wait before I say anything more other than that I played Popeye at Hornsby's in Morris, Illinois in the entranceway. So Yeah, I'm pretty sure if if I didn't play it at Kroger first and I played it at Aladdin's Castle at Lincoln Mall, but I'm pretty sure it was at the Kroger cuz they absolutely had it and I absolutely played it there before. Now, going back, I went there a little story I had to tell. Um, I played the Atari 2600 probably the first time, probably seriously, when I was in sixth grade, I think, when I was like 85, 86. So that was pretty late for Atari 2600. I did not actually own it. But uh, I was I started trading games with some friends at school. One of them was a guy named Mike Bradish. Mm-hmm. He was in my circle of friends back then. I lost I lost touch with all of them when when I moved to Joliet. I, I didn't I didn't mean to blow anybody off or anything. I just kind of lost touch. And uh, if any of them are listening, uh, hey, I'm really sorry, guys. Uh, it happens. I've unfortunately, that's life. Um, but uh, yeah, and I I haven't heard a drop from any of these people except like one I saw at a football game once when they played Joliet Catholic when I was going to school there. One of them, his name was Mike Bradish. It's spelled B-R-A-D-E-C-I-C-H, but it's pronounced Bradish. Mm-hmm. Explain that one. He can't explain it. I found out like a few years ago that, um, well, if you're listening to this in the United States, you have probably seen him on TV as the post guy in those uh, Priority Mail commercials. Returning gifts is easier than ever with Priority Mail flat rate boxes from the Postal Service. If it fits, it ships. Oh, really? Yep. He was the postman in those. Okay. Like the one with the creepy clown doll and everything. He mm-hmm. was, that was him. Oh, wow. I traded Atari card. I went to his second grade birthday party at the Burger King and Bradley. <laughs> That's how I first played the Atari 2600 game. I traded something with Mike Bradish mm-hmm. for, you know, for a couple of days. And when my, I don't know why, but when my mother found out, she, she went totally ballistic on me. You're giving your games. I was like, I'm not, I'm just lending them to him. He's going to give it back. She actually called his mom or something just to like, do you know what your son was? It's oh, like, God. mom, settle down. Are you, but mom, it ain't but, nothing yeah. but a thing. And I just remember being pretty, pretty darn impressed with it too, because I was like, wow, this is actually not bad for what it, I was expecting it to be a lot worse than it was. And actually this was a Shigeru Miyamoto game. So hmm. Hmm, there you go. The guy who created Donkey Kong. Oh, something we should talk about how the points are calculated in this game. Yeah, why don't you do that? You're the points guy. Yes, let's do that. You're the point man. I am the points guy. Sure, sure. You're the point man. Now, as Popeye, if you punch a bottle or a skull, you get 100 points. Mm -hmm. There's there's, there's some interesting point-pressing things you could do in this game. Like, if you just want to stand around and let Brutus throw four bottles at you, you can get 400 points there. But you got to keep your eyes on the hearts, though, because that's kind of oh, yeah. keeps you moving along. Yeah, absolutely. So they don't fall in the water all the way. Mm-hmm. If you punch Brutus uh, while you are under a spinach high, of course, uh, that's 3,000 points. And not only that, but any points that you score while you are on the spinach high, for lack of a better term for now, uh, all your points double. So anything that I say at this point, if you have eaten spinach and you're still under the power of spinach, your points are actually doubled. The punching bag, which is another way you can point press if you want to point, only press 30 points. Uh, it's a 30 points every punch. So that's every time you punch the punching bag, you get yourself 30 points. I don't know why. Yeah, I've noticed that too. And it actually puts the number 30 on the screen when you punch the bag. Yeah. What's interesting is that uh, so much of this game depends on where you are located on the screen. Because there are four possible levels you could be on the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dock stage and street stage. The very upper top platform, you have the, the upper top platform you can warp back and forth. Uh, actually, I don't think you can warp on the uh, 
on, on the top level on the it's the second level down on the street yeah. screen. All right, let me put it this way. Okay, the dock stage and the street stage, you have kind of an upper platform and then three main levels. Mm-hmm. And then the ship stage, you have four levels. If you're at the very top level or platform or whatever, it depends on which which of those levels you're on for certain things that happen. For example, on the dock stage, if you get a bucket on Brutus's head, if Brutus is all the way at the bottom... You get 3,000 points. Which I've never been able to do. Neither have I, I've, or at least not intentionally. If he's on the middle level, you get 2,000 points. And if he's on the uh, upper complete level, you get 1,000 points. Oh, by the way, my strategy for the bucket is uh, I, I usually knock that out pretty early. I, I don't know if that's the best strategy. What happens is once Brutus takes two steps away from the staircase on the middle level, I hit the punching bag and not the knock the bucket down. That usually gets it on his head. Okay. So two steps, punch, hit the uh, hit his head. Now, if you're as high as you possibly can get in terms of physical position, that is. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. You get 500 points for grabbing a heart, a musical note, or a letter. If you're on the next full level, you get 300 points. If you're on the next full level, you get 100. And if you're at the very bottom, including when the object you're trying to catch is sinking in the water, that's 50 points. And if you are on the street stage, when you go onto the seesaw, if you grab Sweepy, you get 500 points. I don't think you get any points if you don't grab Sweepy. I don't believe you do. And on the ship stage, if you punch Bernard, you get a thousand points. You don't have to eat the spinach to punch Bernard. And you usually get an extra life after 40,000 points. That's the default setting, at least. Oh, one thing I did neglect to mention, there is a kind of a gap in the, uh, in the platforms on the uh, second and third level. If you move Popeye over to him, you'll fall down to the next level. Uh, Brutus... He doesn't really even jump over it. He just kind of like sails over it. Yeah. Yeah, so he can't fall down the holes. I don't even think on the third screen. So I just uh, thought I would point that out. We made mention how you can't jump, but he can. But, you know, I just thought I should uh, point out that he can jump over holes in the platform that you can't. So I think with that, uh, how about talking about some world records? Yeah, how about talking about some world records? Yeah, so what's your world record? Um, Let's see. My world record, I, I don't have a world record I played it the game. other day and I couldn't tell you. This, I was trying to get this going on my RetroPie, but it wasn't working well with the uh, the analog uh, stick. I believe I remapped it to the directional pad, and it worked uh, worked a lot better. But uh, I don't recall my score. I was <laughs> I was more trying to, uh, still trying to tweak the uh, the RetroPie to uh, to work properly. Well, my highest score was 60,770, which I uh, I'm sure that's better it. than my high score. I cannot come anywhere near it again. I don't know why. I, I must have been really, really lucky that one that one attempt. But uh, I scored that on January twenty fourth, two thousand fifteen, at Underground Retro Cave. You know what's funny? You look at this game and you just see yourself, Olive Oil, and Brutus, and you're thinking, "This doesn't look like a hard game." Then you start playing it. This is not an easy game. <laughs> this is definitely a challenging game. I don't think there's such there really is such a thing as an easy arcade game, except if you can memorize some Pac Man patterns. Well, but that's about it. But a lot of games will ramp to start you off as an, at an easy level and then just ramp everything up nicely. This game, it's not horribly difficult on the first screen, no, but it's not no. really horribly easy either, especially with the way that uh, Brutus pretty much has a uh, free reign of movement in the game. 
Yeah, and speaking of which, you can actually use that to your advantage because it takes Brutus some time to do whatever he's going to do, whether it's going to be to like try to jump up and grab you from below. Oh, or, one of my you know, favorite things about this game is sometimes he'll like stop and then he'll like look around trying to figure out what to do oh, and yeah. then he'll make up his mind and then do it. Yeah. I just and, thought that was a nice, cute touch to this like, thing. One common strategy, if I try to do this a lot and all the videos I watch, people are obviously taking advantage of it, is they actually try to kind of bait Brutus into like crouching down and trying to reach you from below or from above or jump up from below because that takes that gives you a few extra seconds if you can escape in time. That's true. Which is, that's true. But you so gotta, that, that's an one, interesting strategy. You got to watch out because if he uh, jumps up to get you, uh, if he sees you above, he will like run to you and then like try yeah. to jump up under you. So you got to watch out for that. Yeah. And um, if he jumps down, yeah, if he jumps down at you, you man, that it's hard yeah. to, hard to get away from that. Yeah, that is. But uh, anyway, continue on with the scores. Yeah, the scores now going by factory defaults, which is three lives with an extra life at forty thousand. Somebody we mentioned actually in last episode, a guy named Ben Falls, has the Twin Galaxies world record set or verified actually December twentieth, two thousand eleven, at three million twenty three thousand sixty. Wow! So just a little bit higher than my score, just slightly. I wonder what yeah. level that takes you up to. I don't know, man. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see if there's anything like, if there are any, like, in the millions on, uh, say, YouTube or something. And yeah. Get an idea. I have a feeling that counter resets at some point. You know what? Seeing as this game is based on the, I would imagine, is based on the same hardware that Donkey Kong Jr. and Donkey Kong 3 is, I wonder yeah. if this has got a kill screen. Oh, interesting. Hmm. I wonder. Yeah, that, that is interesting. I mean, the thing is, like, the kill screen in Donkey Kong, like, I don't know if anybody's actually made it past 900,000, like much higher than 900,000. Here we're talking like 3 million. But then again, then again, you have a lot more opportunity. And there's, there's no bonus timer either. And uh, yeah, I guess, I guess it, it could be possible even if there's a kill screen. But yeah, well, it has to be possible. But okay, but here's the interesting thing though. Hmm. According to arcade.com, the world record also set by Ben Falls, and this was performed November 29th, 2012 at Galloping Ghost, 600,020. So that's interesting that his that there's such a big discrepancy in scores there with the same settings for the same guy playing it. Oh, I just had a, a quick Google here. Apparently there is no kill screen in Popeye. Oh, okay. Orcade.com also has a difficult settings track, meaning you're set for four lives with no bonus, now, this is interesting. I don't know how this this gentleman's name... I know it's a guy because I looked him up on Facebook and, like, all the profile pictures, it's like, uh, it's a guy. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it's Kalen or Callan Harvest. October 10th, 2015 at Grinker's Grand Palace in Eagle, Idaho. During Grinkfest 2015, he scored 75,570. So, man, the hard, the hard setting must be really hard. So, yeah, those are the uh, high score records that we see for Popeye. Mm-hmm. Um, should we rate Popeye? I think we should rate Popeye. I'm going to let you go first. What do you think? What say ye? Now, Mark, your spot uh, on the bingo card with that little phrase. Let's say... The phrase uh, that pays. It's definitely going to be in the higher range for me. I never really thought about this this much. Um, I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to give it a four because <laughs> I love the playability of it. It is vi- It's very, very true to the cartoons, especially the King Feature Syndicate version. The graphics are outstanding. I mean, there is no question about it that's Popeye. There's no question that they're sweepy, wimpy. Uh, well, a lot of people probably call him Bluto, but it's really Brutus. Brutus. And it's there's no question that it's olive oil. No question that it's the Sea Hag. Right. And it's it's all it's really really good graphics. It's a very 
it's the the gameplay and the mechanics are very intelligently done. Mm-hmm. They really are. And, and it has a lot the, of little cute touches, like I said about how yes. how uh, how Brutus is like. Sometimes he'll just stop and look both ways to decide what to do. I mean, it's it's almost like he's got uh, some actual intelligence, so to speak. And even the background music is very Popeye-esque. I, it's very similar to the Donkey Kong it is background similar music, to the Donkey Kong way, music, isn't it? But in a way, it is. It does kind of. It's like you know what? This works for Popeye. And also, even the way Popeye, like I don't want to, I don't want to say it's a death because Popeye doesn't actually die, 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 die. The Popeye death animation is very true to just about any Popeye cartoon you'll ever watch. It's kind of wacky, yeah. kind of spins around, and the accompanying sound effect is great. Yeah, well, the sound, the sound is the sound is a sound he makes with his pipe. Yeah, I never thought of that. It is. I, I could have. I, 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 I know he's that. done that when he's like surprised or something in uh, in the cartoon. It's the sound his pipe makes. I never thought of that. That's absolutely right. Oh, and we have to say, we don't often talk about the attract screens in games. This one, I mean, it shows you the gameplay, but then it'll show Popeye, the game logo with Popeye, the picture of Popeye in the middle, and it plays the Popeye song, and then um, at the end, he uh, he toots his pipe, and uh, he, he's actually, like, blowing on the pipe, and you can see the, like, the, you know how in cartoons they have, like, the little, when they have, like, wind or something, they have the little puff coming out of wherever, and uh, he's uh, he blows his pipe, and a little puff comes out of the pipe, like he's uh, tooting on his pipe, which I thought was kind of cute in the attract mode there. Oh, by the way, you get a similar animation after you clear the, uh, clear the, the third ship screen. stage. Yes, yes, you do. God, everything I say, it sounds like I should give it a five, but I don't know if I'm ready to give it a five. I, I think I'm going to keep it at four. Conti- yeah. A very, very solid four. This is continues. this is a very this is a very good game, and I think four is the perfect uh, ranking for this. It's not a major classic. It's not really a minor classic either. I think it's just more of a solid classic game. And uh, I'll tell you why I'm going to keep it at four and not bump it into five. Because as mu- as great a game as I feel this is, as I feel Popeye is, I just can't repeat it. I can't play. I, I can't play it multiple times in one sitting. I can't. That's understandable. I don't know why. I just can't. I, in fact, that's true for just about every Nintendo, all the major Nintendo games. Like, I can't play two Donkey Kongs in a row. I can't play d- d- two Juniors in a row. I can't play Donkey Kong 3 or Mario You know, it's Brothers. funny you mention that. I could play Donkey Kong 3 over and over and over. That's one game that I can play over and over and over in a row. That's kind of weird, actually. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh... I think maybe because Donkey Kong 3 is more like uh, Donkey Kong combined with that that space shooter game whose name shall not be mentioned. And um, I think that that's... Uh, I, I like shooter games a lot more. So that might be why I can play Donkey Kong 3 over and over and over. Could be, so, could be. But, you know, this is a great game. It's a, it's a solid... It, I, I agree with your everything you say. I mean, it's just, this is a solid, solid four continues. All right, you heard it here, folks. Jim agrees with everything I say. It's a Especially four. politically, right? Shut up. Okay. <laughs> Bingo card. <laughs> Bingo card. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? Me and um, Tim, um, Tim from uh, from Super Podcast Brothers. We, me and him, got a lot in common about a lot of things. I think I mentioned previously that we actually worked at the very same Toys R Us, albeit like fifteen years apart, uh, <laughs> and. Um, Tim Evans, and we were just talking today about how we love George Carlin, and uh, politically, we are 
poor opposites. <laughs> I just thought thought that that was uh, that's 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 kind of funny. But uh, at any rate, at any rate, what does that mean? At any rate, what about four and a half percent? I think with that, hey. uh, shall we move on? Oh, let's do. Let's do. Let's do the do. Thing in which I need something to drink. Oh man, I, I need some Mountain Dew myself. Except I want to sleep tonight. So. Why don't we move on to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Or in Japan, as it's called, Super Kame Ninja. Yes, yes. Or... Isn't it in Europe they call it Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Heroes or something? Yeah, it's funny you mention that because there was, uh, at (laughs) at the Louis Joliet Mall, uh, I think it's still there, like in the wing of the mall over by JCPenney. You know how they have like the little kitty ride, you put a quarter in there, you put your kid in there and it bounces around while you're off going doing, you know, terrible things at a store down the mall, you know, abandoning your kid. They had a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles helicopter ride, but it was obvious that this was meant to be in Great Britain because it said Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. And I think it's still at the Louis uh, Joliet Mall in Joliet. Oh, man. Which I never did get that whole thing. Is there a, like a ban on the word ninja out there or something? It would seem to me they're a, little, they're a lot more repressed when it comes to that sort of well, thing over there. Uh, I'm nothing if not prepared, so I guess I am nothing. I'm not prepared to answer that. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we talk about the game and then we can ponder on that some more? Hmm. So okay. And, in the game, it uh, comes in either a two-player or four-player cabinet. Uh, You can play as Leonardo, Michelangelo, Donatello, or Raphael, all of the Ninja Turtles, who are all named after famous Renaissance painters. In the four-player version, each joystick is a specific character, so if you're at the... I don't remember which order they are on, but uh, the first one... I think the third one is Donatello. I'm pretty sure. I always liked playing uh, Michelangelo. Everyone liked him because he was like, he was like the totally rad skater dude, you know? He always had that kind of, like, attitude and the whole California accent thing going. And, um... In the two-player version, you get to select which turtle that uh, that you want to play, unlike the four-player, which each joystick is set up to a specific one of the turtles. Well, in the game, uh, Shredder kidnaps their friend April O'Neil, and um, you have to save her, and then you, after a few, few levels, you save her. Then they kidnapped Splinter, which is their sensei, and then at the very end of the game, you basically have to defeat Krang and Shredder. Each of your Ninja Turtles have different weapons. Uh, Michelangelo does have a, has a staff. Uh, I couldn't tell you which the rest of them are. One is a sword, one is nunchucks, and the other one is, uh, I think, two swords. <laughs> so uh, so there's that. Uh, it might be, a, I think, like maybe katana and two swords. You basically got to defeat all these different enemies uh, on the way there. They're, they're all versions of what they call the foot soldier. They're, they're, uh, they're shredders, uh, henchmen, if you will. And um, they're dressed up in different costumes. Uh, some of them, uh, the ones in purple, will just attack you. Some of them will throw knives at you. Some of them will throw throwing stars. They can all punch you. Uh, sometimes they can hold you while another foot soldier starts beating you senseless. You have different weapons at your disposal. Like I said, you've got the uh, whatever weapon your character normally comes with. Uh, but you can uh, destroy things like fire hydrants. If you hit that a few times with your weapon, it'll explode and the cap will burst off and uh, kill whatever it's in its way. Um, you could do that with parking meters, which in Chicago, I'm sure a lot of people would love to vandalize parking meters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not condoning anything. In the words of uh, in the words of Sam Kinison, I don't support it. I understand it. But I don't support it. Then uh, let me think. Uh, later on, there will also be say like 
barrels full of gasoline. If you hit that a few times, it'll start smoking, and then boom, it'll blow up, killing anything near it. Each turtle has a life bar. Um, every time you get hit by something, or f you can fall in manholes, or fall off some platforms, you'll you know lose a life, or you will lose some energy. Uh, every now and then, you will see a pizza on the screen, and when you see one, it will say pizza there, there time. There just happens to be a pizza laying around. Well, you know what? These turtles, I don't know if you saw the movies, they're no, not no. too picky about where their uh, pizza comes from. I actually enjoyed the uh, the first two of the movies. Yeah, I've I never seen it. And this, the only exposure I've had to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was this game, full disclosure, right there. But yeah, you're just, you're, here you are about to, to mm, fight off some bad pizza. guys, and there just happens to be a pizza laying there. Well, hey, <laughs> you know, you know, any port in the storm, I suppose. Yeah. But um, so if, after a while, you have to, uh, at the end of each level, there is a, uh, a boss character. There will be Bebop and Rocksteady, which is uh, one of them's a, uh, a hog. The other one is a rhino. Uh, there will be a bunch of robots. Uh, obviously, later on in the game, there will be a Krang. Uh, Krang is an interesting villain. He's a, a brain from outer space who's inside a, a suit that looks like a human. I'm a mouse in a large mechanical suit. Um, then, of course, there will be Shredder later on. Uh, there will be rock soldiers, which you have to defeat. And uh, I don't remember all of the... Uh, the different, um, <laughs> oh, well, what do you know? Here's a list. Uh, Bebop and Rocksteady, you'll fight each of them individually, and then eventually you'll fight them together. Baxter Stockman, which is a scientist who was turned into a fly, uh, he's got an interesting weapon. It's like a, a ray that's got like this hand that comes down and swats you. But since he was turned into a fly, I guess that actually does make sense. Then you got Granitor and General Trag, which... I don't know. And then Krang which I, and Shredder, which I uh, have already discussed. Um, they all have their different movements. Shredder's an interesting one. He's the last boss you fight in the game. He will keep multiplying himself, and uh, you have to destroy the multiples until eventually you get down to the original Shredder, and uh, you have to beat him up. It's pretty much what they at no quarter call a fight-and-go-right type game. It's a beat-em-up in the style of, uh, of Double Dragon with a lot more personality. This one has... Uh, has a lot of cute touches uh, from the uh, from the cartoon, and um, incidentally, um, just as a side note, I saw a really good Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon uh, a couple of years ago. I wish I remembered the name of it, but it was an interesting conceit. It was the uh, the current Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, that are on TV, and Shredder and Krang created this thing which transported them to different dimensions, and they got put back in time to the dimension of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. So the future Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon met up with the original Ninja Turtles cartoon. And then they all got put into the, uh, into the, um, the dimensional portal. And they went all back to the original black and white comic book oh, <laughs> Ninja geez. Turtles. I wish I remember the name of it. It was actually a pretty clever cartoon because the, the black and white ones, uh, that people don't realize the original Ninja Turtles in the comic book were like really pretty serious and grim. They weren't all like happy-go-lucky like they were in the cartoon shows. They were serious and grim, and seeing those Ninja Turtles get along with the ones from the late 80s, early 90s, oh god, <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. So, um, Oh, that's really, in a nutshell, I mean, uh, you have uh, two buttons. You have an attack button, you have a jump button. You can do jump kicks and different uh, type of attacks. 
Yeah, I found hitting both buttons at the same time to get the uh, jump, kick, attack kind of going. That's usually the most, that was always the most effective for me personally. You know, in all of these kind of games, and I think this is the first kind of this game that we've talked about, that's generally, in my experience uh, with any of these sort of games, the, the most effective attack. I was playing Double Dragon on the Sega Master System the other day. Well, not the other day, a couple of weeks ago. And um, th- that attack takes out the most people. And you know, I, it just seems to be something with this kind of game. But uh, that, in a nutshell, is uh, is Ninja Turtles. It's a game by Konami. This wasn't really ported to a lot of platforms, but uh, it, it's interesting because uh, a little history about the NES. They had this exclusive licensing deal with their vendors where you could only put out... If you wanted to put it out on the NES, you could, A, only put games out on the NES. It was kind of a uh, monopoly that they had. And then, B, you could only put out X number of games. Well... Konami has a whole bunch of games under their wings, stuff in the arcade, and then stuff that they did originally. And they put out a bunch of them under their their own name, Konami, like uh, Gradius and um, Castlevania Track and Field. You know, they put those all under Konami, but then they had other games that they wanted to release on it. So what did they do to get around Nintendo's licensing? Probably came out with a new name. (laughs) They started a new company called Ultra Games, and they put out games like Qbert, and Gyrus and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the NES. Now, the problem is, the first Ninja Turtles game they had on the NES came out, it was pretty early on, and I believe, did it come out? I think it came out just around the time the arcade game came out, but this was actually kind of an adventure-type game. It was nothing to do with it. So then, then they had, when Ultra put out Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, it was the arcade game. The arcade game was just called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It wasn't called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. And then they had a a special game that was kind of the same style, a a sequel, Ninja Turtles 3 by Ultra Games. But then they came out with Turtles in Time, which I believe they called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4 on the NES, which was only the second Ninja Turtles arcade game. And so it was one of those, once again, one of those kind of like, what, what was the other game we talked about that had this kind of a bizarre kind of life on consoles with oh, the names? Oh, uh, what um, was it? I can't recall off the top of my head. Um, I know what you're talking about. But, but yeah, I mean, they, they they got the whole sequence like totally weird. Was it Dragon? It was Dragon's Lair, I think. Yes, it was Dragon's Lair. Yes, yes. But they got the whole, the whole it was, this is another one of the home ports where they just got the whole thing just kind of like like totally, totally weird. One thing I've noticed when I was playing this uh, the other day, and is it just me, or is it, you only get one point for each enemy you kill? Okay, thank you. I was wondering the exact same thing. I noticed that when I was playing it before. It's, it's, uh, this the is a game. very, very low-scoring game, because I think it's just only one point, and I think that even pertains to boss characters. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, kind of a weird choice. All of Konami's games that I have played of this style are like that. Uh, the Simpsons is like that. All of their Ninja Turtles arcade games were like this. Oh, and I might say something here. Oh, might you? I might. In the game, one of the first objectives is to save April O'Neil. Now, she's you know wears a yellow jumpsuit, and on the cabinet, she, she has her jumpsuit zipped down quite a bit, and you can see quite a bit of cleavage, whereas in the actual game, she isn't showing any at all. I want my money back. Anyway. Why did they, I, they, they did this on uh, this game. I don't remember if it was on the side art or if it was on the marquee or if it was both. It was somewhere on the cabinet that she was actually 
rather well endowed. And you could see in there, if you will. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But not in the game itself. Hey, I'm a guy. Of course I'd notice this sort of thing. Something I was looking up. I was looking up for some more information on the names of the different levels for this game before uh, before we were going to air. And I found an interesting webpage. The Cutting Room Floor is the website. And they have a page on the Ninja Turtles arcade machine. TCRF.net, by the way. Yes. And um, they have listing of stuff that wasn't used in the game. And now we were saying that there was, uh, every so often in the game, there's pizza that you can eat. And it just, you know, ups your uh, your energy bar. But what I didn't know up until literally minutes before we started recording this episode is uh, there are four different colored pizzas in the game and they were all meant to do something different. The, the, the pizza that's in the blue box was supposed to speed you up. The red one is energy. There was a purple one called Zappy, which gives you a laser gun, which was supposed to give you a laser gun. And one called Whirly, which I think gives, makes you go into a whirl attack. It looks like that the graphics for wielding the laser gun are still in the machine code of the game, which is interesting. If you go to the uh, Ninja Turtles arcade page on uh, the cutting room floor, you'll see all of this that I'm talking about. This is, honestly, I've, I've actually been to this site before. I, uh, I actually just totally forgot about it. This is a great site. There's a lot of neat stuff on here. It actually has an entry for Tinkle Pit. Oh, you're kidding. I wish I were. No, actually, I don't. I'm thrilled that they have an entry for Tinkle Pit. Nice. Apparently, there's like some um, hidden demo message or something. But uh... I would go to the go to the, the site and check out all of this uh, interesting stuff that they have uh, that's hidden in the code. Like, here's a Here's an image of uh, one of the Ninja Turtles, like, kind of balancing on the edge of a, well, like, on some sort of edge, like, of a platform or something, uh, trying to catch their balance. And another one of Ninja Turtle all tied up. Check it out. This is actually, this is a, you know, don't just check this out. Check out the whole site. This is really a great, this is really a great website. Um, There are different versions of the title screens in each in different uh, machines. They have, they're different, they look different in the, the world one, Europe, Japan. Of course, the European one says hero for some reason. Censorship. And, uh, there was some kind of censorship law. They couldn't use the word ninja. That's so stupid. There's a lot of better things they could be censoring. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to stop there. I'm not going to go off into topics that would be more fitting for my old podcast. So, yeah, check it out. There's like some really, really interesting stuff. I did not know about these power-ups. I'm just kind of wondering if those were included, how different it would make this game. What do you have to say? You have any, what do you have to say about this game? Well, not much. I mean, there are two things going against me when we decided to do this game. Number one is that I have had no experience with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in any form at all. I knew their names, and that's pretty much it. I never watched the show, never saw the comic book, never saw any of the movies, nothing, nothing like that. And also, I got to say, I'm not really a fan of fight-and-go-right games. I'm I'm not. Mm-hmm. Mainly because this is exactly the same thing that was a topic of a conversation we had decades ago as to why we like the older games. Like why or why I at least I prefer the older, say, pre-crash games. It's because you this is exactly the formula I don't like. You have boss characters and then the big CEO character at the end, and then hey, the game's over. What's the point? You know? Right, right. And we like to talk about the first time we played certain games, well, all the games at least as much as we can, I remember the exact date and location where I first played this game, where I first played Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh? And that was March 19th, 2016 at Underground Retrocade. Aha! Uh-huh. I had never played it before. 
those of you who've been listening to us for a long time might remember back to episode number nine, the first episode in which we actually had guests on the show, specifically Scott Lambert of Underground Retrocade and a guy named Matt Burke, who is probably Underground Retrocade's number one fan. And that's one reason I wanted him on the show. And he has been telling me for probably about two years now, he's like, next time you're at the Retrocade, I got to show you Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's an awesome game. And finally, I was like, okay, dude, I'm going to be there on Saturday. I know you're going to be there. Don't let me leave until you show me the game. And I got to tell this story. Jim and I both, by an extreme coincidence, happened to own the same model of waterproof digital camcorder. It's an uh, uh, Ion Air Pro. And I brought my Ion Air Pro with me to get some gameplay footage specifically for this podcast so we could put it in the show notes and all that. And so I recorded Matt playing all of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. By the way, he he recommends playing with Donatello as your character. Oh, really? Yeah, his reason is because you have the longest range with Donatello. Oh, I never thought about that, but yeah, that is yeah. correct. Yeah, and that's that's another thing. I don't remember I don't remember hearing you mention this. You might have mentioned this, but I might have but it's Monday. Um but there's no skill difference really among any of the four characters. The only difference is how powerful the weapons are really. They all have the same uh-huh. abilities. But uh, Donatello has the longest range, but the slowest response time with the weapons. But um, I watched him play the entire game all the way through. I had mentioned last episode, I think Hyde might have cut this out, but I had mentioned that Matt could 1cc this game. He said, no, I can't 1cc this game. <laughs> I thought he could, but uh, he, it, he just loves playing this to the end. And I noticed when he started, he hit the... Uh, at the free play arcades, a lot of the games have a little button on them where you push to simulate a coin insert, so it'll start. Mm-hmm. He pushed it a bunch of times. I said, how many credits did you put in? He said, I think about 74. <laughs> <laughs> so think about that. That's more than $15 worth right there. <laughs> Hope to guarantee to play through the whole game. So here I am, video. T- I got his entire gameplay on video. And um, didn't have a chance to unload the card, but um, I attached the camera to a head strap, and I attached the head strap to my bike helmet, and I, I started videoing my bike rides lately just in case of incidents, you know, I could have some evidence. Ugh, don't even get me started. Yeah. I almost got mauled by a dog today on my bike. Oh, geez. But um, so about a mile from home, I'm on my way to work, strap flies off the helmet. It just kind of slid right off. And um, the strap was lying on the street. I was able to pull over. There wasn't. It was a red light. There was no traffic coming, so I was able to safely go out and retrieve the strap. I get the strap. There's no camera on it. Couldn't find a camera anywhere. I think it rolled under somebody's car. So it might be on Clark Street somewhere in the far north side of Chicago, or someone might have picked it up and kept it, or somebody might have run over it or whatever. So yeah, I now all that gameplay footage I had for not only that, but also for Popeye just to accompany the podcast, is now missing. So, yay me! Yay! Go, Sean! After Matt played a complete game, I said, okay, let me try it now. I'm just going to see how far I could get on one credit. And I found out how far I could get on one credit. Not far at all? Does the phrase not very mean anything to you? <laughs> but um, Yeah, I, I can't either. You, you just, that is, I, I, it's impossible to do with this game. Someone has to do, well, I don't want to say someone has to have had done this, because if you're looking for adjudication with both Orcade and Twin Galaxies, they allow, I believe, two credits. Really? Yeah. 
Fascinating. Yeah, let me see. Two lives to start. I believe the first credit you put in, you get two lives, and then I think you get one life for each additional credit. That's at least all the machines I've seen. Okay, yeah, that. That's kind of a ripoff if you think about it. Yeah, it really is, but you get you do get a bonus life after 200 points in a one-player game. <laughs> 200 points. Yeah. And if you get one point per kill, yeah. you're going through most of the game before you get a free life. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and if you're in at least two-player mode, I don't know if it's true for three- and four-player mode, it's actually a bonus life for every 100 points, but you kind of have to, like share that bonus life, if you will, unless uh, the other player leaves the game. And then not only that, in this sort of game, the more people that play, the harder the game is. Really? The more they throw at you. I'm pretty sure. I know that uh, other games do that. I don't believe Rampage is one of those kind of games, but uh, I'm pretty sure these games are all like that. Um, We should actually, uh, we're going to be up at Underground Retrocade in a few weeks, so we should take a look at that. Just have one of us play it, and let the game run out, and then... uh, have both of us play it and uh, see what happens from there. Yeah, I am. I'm curious. I never even thought of that. That's a, that's an interesting observation there. Which kind of makes me wonder, though, too, that uh, say like you have a person on screen and you have like two enemies coming at you. When you have another person join, does it put two enemies in for that person, or does it put in three? Hmm. Make it a little harder. You know, make it a little more exponentially harder. Interesting. And by interesting, I mean interesting and kind of dirty. Yeah. Fascinating. Hmm. Wow. We'll have to get into that. Since, since I mentioned Twin Galaxies and Arcade, I might as well talk about some uh, record scores here. Please do. So at Twin Galaxies, uh, they allow point pressing up to 50 points for, and I quote, certain bosses, but it, I don't think it goes into any further detail than that. Certain bosses. Okay, so then bosses, I would assume, then are not one point. I guess so, and unless they mean like you can fight off like X number of enemies before you get to... I, I don't know. I don't know. Because you don't have to kill off all the enemies to progress. Are you sure about that? I thought, I thought you did. I don't think on every single frame, I don't think you have. Huh. Well, maybe you do. I don't know. I don't know. You see, you know, I asked Matt Burke about that. Let me just check the video. Oh, that's right. The video's gone. (laughs) I've not had a good, uh, I've not had good luck with technology this month, have I? No. uh, But anyway, otherwise, Twin Galaxies says factory defaults, any turtle allowed. So it doesn't matter which character you play, which makes sense because none of them have any different abilities. It's just how how powerful their weapons are. Just the reach, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jason Wilson has the world record at 584 points, verified November 30th. Guarantee. November 30th, oh, wait, 1997. That was, uh, that was Justin Wilson. I'm sorry. Orcade.com follows the same rules as Twin Galaxies, except they don't mention point pressing at all, so I don't know what that's all about. Uh, Brad Vitale, uh, I'm guessing it's pronounced V-I-T-A-L-E, performed during Konami Week at Galloping Ghost Arcade, March 23rd, 2014. Nice. He got a score of 293. Nice. I'm just wondering how you do that. It just seems to me that that isn't, it's like a huge feat just to rack up a score on one token in this game. The only thing I can think of is if you can, if you're able to do that on just one whatever, one token, one credit, whatever, there must be some kind of pattern as to how the enemies come out. And so you might know exactly where they're going to be how they're going to attack, how you can attack right away. I, that's, that's the only, the only thing, thing I can think. think of, and especially with some of the boss characters, because some of those, yeah. some of them to me seem to f- seem to actually just kind of like fight dirty. Like, just, I don't know, just, it just, it just, just seems like that they, uh, I mean, I know the boss fights aren't supposed to be easy, but 
sometimes it just seems like there's just no way that you can survive those without popping in token after token after token after token. Yeah, and again, like Matt Burke told me he put in about 74 credits. I mean, he didn't use all of them, but I said, how many credits did you use? About 74. That's what, um, 74 divided by four. Let's see, that is one carry. That's it's, it's like over $18 in credit right there. Yeah, I put in a hell of a lot of money, quote unquote, when I was playing this in RetroPie the other day just to get to the end. I must have popped in 150, 150 uh, credits Jeez. just to get to the end. And this game, the levels are fairly long, but there's not many levels. There's only like seven, I think, seven or eight. <laughs> I could be wrong on that. Yeah, it looks like nine levels. You know what? Matt also said how many levels there are. Oh, again, the video's gone. <laughs> Blame it on Matt. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Yeah, thanks for making the strap fly off my helmet from 30 miles away. Yeah, no kidding. He's got that. He's got the shining. Yeah. He's been doing the shining on you. Yeah. Or is it scanning? Was he scanning you, maybe? I, 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 yeah, you, I, you still have your head, though, so I don't think he was scanning you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. If anybody could make somebody's head explode, it would be Matt. There you go. <laughs> you know what? I think we should probably just... I mean, we, we should probably just go ahead and rate this one. On the one hand, I don't hate this game... But then, on the other hand, this is really, really the definition of a quarter muncher. Pretty much all of Konami's fighting games like this were quarter munchers. There's another one that we need to talk about, The Simpsons. I've got a lot to say about that one. It's... I remember we when we were first planning the episodes, like we you would suggested pairing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and The Simpsons because it was pretty much the same game. Uh, yeah. I had mentioned that. I don't remember if it was uh, Greg from the Sneeze podcast or if it was uh, our friend George. And uh, whoever it was, he said, oh, you're one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I even asked Matt about that. Too. I said, Matt, what do you think about The Simpsons and, and Turtles being the same game? He's like, well, I can see why somebody would say that, but no, they're definitely not the same game. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The Simpsons is a sequel in, uh, Interesting. in spirit. Interesting. In spirit. So how about rating the games? What do you think? Yeah, let's rate these. You know what? I Like I said, I like the I, I like the game, but I hate the fact that it's just an insane quarter muncher. Yeah. Uh, it, I will admit this game is fun with, with multiple people playing it. But I don't know. I, I, I have to give this one a middling grade. I have to give it a three. I mean, it's not a terrible game. It captures the essence of the Ninja Turtles cartoons quite well, I think. But this is a game that when uh, I was fighting one of the boss characters, and it wasn't the final boss, uh, either of the final bosses, I think I put in $3 worth of credits just to beat the boss by myself. So because of that, I can't rate this higher than a 3. I have to rate a 3. I have to agree with that. I have to, I have to rate it a 3. And the thing is, like, I feel a little bit unfair trying to rate this in, at all since... You know, I just don't like fight and go right games. I guess they call them beat 'em ups. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't like them. And you know, it's. I'm thinking, man. Once the game's over, it's over. It doesn't repeat or anything. I would feel ripped off. And part of me was thinking, you know what? This would be a great. You know, this would work much better as a console game like Sega Genesis or something. But then Which again, it did come out for the NES and the and the. Yeah. Uh, and the SNES, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but the thing is, though, I would feel very ripped off because it doesn't take long to finish the game. It takes a lot of money, but it, it takes a lot take of money long. exactly. But it take and you know so. And it goes back to something that we were talking to um, 
uh, John Hancock about when we yes. interviewed him, that is the money worth the entertainment. And in this case, I don't think it is. Yeah, I don't think so either. But of course, again, I don't know if I have any right to say that. You I, know, in fact, you know what? I can't. I can't hate this game, but I can't love it either. Yeah, uh, but I, I don't know if I have a right to say because I, I have I have no connection to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles whatsoever. Now, one thing I will have to say about why I won't give it as, as low as a two is because, as far as I can tell, I mean, it is very true to the cartoon. Like, I actually laughed when I saw the, that the pizza box was the uh, the energy refiller. Yeah, I mean, for, this you definitely know. this game definitely has all of, as I was saying all of the touches from the uh, from the cartoon show. You could tell that this was made with respect to the, well, I was going to say source material, but the source material was a gritty black and white comic, but it was made with the material it used for a source, which was the uh, the, the first cartoon uh, incarnation of, uh, of the Ninja Turtles. And for that, you have to definitely give it kudos. I will say I did get a little bit annoyed with the never-ending music. It's like the same music over and over and over and over and over nonstop. It's like... Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, but hey, I mean, I can, gonna, I can see that it didn't bother me as much, but I can see it. I'm going to stick with my rating. I'm going to. I feel comfortable rating it three continues. Yeah, Basically, I, a lot got, of it's giving it the benefit of the doubt. I will admit that. Yeah, and looking, I just have our spreadsheet up here of all of our ratings. I haven't given a game a two since. Wow, when was the last time I gave a game a two? Oh, Revolution X. Okay, so <laughs> it wasn't as long ago as I thought. You liked so. it twice as much as I did, but uh, yeah, yeah, no kidding. So, uh, and I think before that was uh, Dragon's Lair. Yeah. So, uh, what say we uh, unload on the uh, the theme, which everybody got the main theme, but it's one of these deals where I just was thinking of another theme. First of all, obviously they're both cartoons. They're both based on cartoons. Not only cartoons, but also cartoons that started life in the comics, whether it be a comic That's strip true. such as Popeye or comic books as um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. By the way, just one more thing I want to say about Popeye really quickly is that I like the movie with Robin Williams. I really did. And I you think, know what? I, I liked think the it reason too. that many people don't like it is because they're like, what the hell is this thing? The yes. movie is clearly based on the original comic strip, which very yes. few people have ever seen. And who I was actually alive just reading today. an article in relation to the movie the other day where the original set is actually a very, very popular tourist destination where uh, wherever it was they built it which huh. I can't remember where, where it was. So that was interesting. And I thought the casting for that movie was perfect. Oh, it was awesome. It was great. It, I was a kid when I saw it. I enjoyed it. I ate that thing up. Yeah, and that, I, to this day, I will defend that. Was it a great movie? No, but it was, was it one was of the solid. best cartoon. It was one of the best live action cartoon movies ever made. Yeah. Yeah. It so. was pretty solid. But anyway, what's the uh, other theme that you came up with? Well, remember I was saying where I played Popeye in the foyer, if you will, of the Hornsby's Discount Store here in Morris, Illinois? Yes. And it occurs to me, years back, Hornsby's got bought out by a company called Ames, so that oh. became an Ames department store, and then Ames went out of business. I and think the that's what the set. Hornsby's and Bradley turn into, too. Might have, might have. Oh. Then what happened? The, the building sat empty for a long time. Then, after a while, two different businesses... Uh, moved in there. They split up the, the building. One of them was a, a uh, fitness center, uh, which is still there, and the other one is a restaurant, which is still there. The restaurant is called Turtle's Tap. Oh, God. And inside Turtle's Tap, when they first opened up until a couple of years ago, they had the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 
arcade game in there. Now, it wasn't oh, the first place I ever played it. That was at the uh, Lands Castle Louis Joliet Mall. But I have played both of these games in the former Hornsby's building in Morris, Illinois. There's your secondary theme. There you go. I like it. <laughs> I'm like stretching it. it a little bit, but hey. You know, the, I, you know what? I was complaining the other day. We haven't had an obscure theme in quite some time. Well, there we go. We have both obscure <laughs> and very common. And I know this should have been during Addenda and Errata, but one thing I do want to say is I kind of uh, might have spoken too soon about when I when I blasted Headquarters Beercade, accusing them of uh, having MAME cabinets. I'm starting uh-huh. to I'm starting to rethink that now because there was another game I was playing uh, somewhere that where I know for a fact it's the original board, and I got the exact same message that made me think that made me think that the Cubert headquarters is main cabinet now i'm doubting that so i'm gonna give headquarters a, a second chance i really will you know what me and you we need to head up there because let's be honest the only ga- the only arcades we've well at least me have <laughs> that we have both been to have been uh, 257 at different times which two you've been uh, to 257 yeah i was there a couple of weeks ago oh, okay. um i played oh i didn't mention i played the star wars battle pods game there yeah i can't play that game um <laughs> it's I don't see that as a game as much as it is kind of an interactive movie, which is fine. Yeah. But it is, I that sort of thing makes me get like queasy pretty easy. So I, I I'm not going to play it ever again. Just the fact I just don't feel like getting sick. <laughs> I shouldn't have to get <laughs> sick to enough. play a game. So you're not going to play Polybius either, then? No, probably not Polybius. No. But um, uh, we've also been to we've both been to Re- Underground Retrocade. Duh. Yeah. And we've both been to Galloping Ghost. Duh. We need to hit some more of the different uh, establishments that have popped up in the area. Uh, I think I believe I mentioned about a uh, about uh, a place I was told in Ottawa, Illinois, which is actually 30 miles to my west, away from yeah. Chicago, called Onet Gaming, which is a used... It's in an old church uh, right near downtown Ottawa, Illinois. Yeah. yeah, didn't Tim Foley tell us about that? Yeah, it was Tim Foley, yes. And um, I have to go back there because they had a Spy Hunter for the 2600 over there at a decent price. So I got to go back there and see if they still have it. But uh, they also have a kind of a small arcade in there as well. They don't have a whole lot of machines, and it's like 6 or $7 all day, all you can play. But uh, we need to go over there and play the games. If I could only get one cabinet, one arcade cabinet in my life, it would be the uh, Nintendo cocktail table that they have. I don't know if you've ever seen... Have I talked about this before? You might it's have. A, yeah, it's, it's, it's got like... It's, a two, it's for like two people at the same time. It's like a versus sit-down machine. And it's red and the screens are on an angle, kind of reminiscent of sit-down uh, slot machines. Uh, you know, the, the low ones that you see at the casino uh, as opposed to the low ones. Just, but yeah, I uh, really would love to get one of those machines. But... So there you are. Um, there so next time we will talk about the game which shall not be named and uh, Gradius. Yep. So, uh, and no, the theme is not games that begin with a G. Yeah. And by the way, don't forget, we will be at Midwest Gaming Classic on uh, April 9th. Uh, you can oh, see yes. us at the Underground Retrocade table. Thank you very much, Scott, both for sponsoring us and mm-hmm. for inviting us to join you. And don't forget that I will be bringing the, uh, the ranch-flavored soda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I might be drinking it. So uh, and uh, thanks again to our uh, other sponsors. We have uh, Richard Valdez. We have uh, Andy Ryerson. I think we mentioned before. Uh, who else do we have? Um, uh, Rory Coleman. Yes, thank you, Rory. And, and uh, uh, I suggested we put this in a spreadsheet. We haven't done that yet, have we? <laughs> no. I mean, I have the, I have this all written down. But the kids know who they are. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> so, Keith Sheehan 
Thank you, Keith Sheehan. Yes. Keith Sheehan, Andy Ryerson, Rory Coleman. That's it. Okay. So thank you, guys. And uh, we will see you. Oh, I did it again. We will talk to you all again in two weeks. And from Pie Factory Logistics Center of Morris South, this is Jimmy G. And from uh, Pie Factory Headquarters North, this is Rollick and Sean. And bye-bye. This episode of the Pie Factory Podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is The Happy L, composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Adenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goebel. Follow the Pie Factory Podcast online via the Facebook page, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or the show notes page on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Oh, I just don't get it. I'm not hearing myself yet. I'm registering. Well, duh. You don't have any kids. Oh, I'm t- <laughs> you know what's weird is I just found out that I actually, uh, I actually know a celebrity. This is kind of going off topic. I found out there's a, I can't remember her first name, but she's a, she's an actress. Her last name is Gavankar and um, her parents were from Joliet. I was, for some reason I was just looking at uh, Wikipedia about Joliet and uh, I saw a celebrity, last name of Gavankar, and I'm like, huh. And she was in uh, the first two Barbershop movies. She's in quite a few other movies. Right. She's a diehard gamer. She um, she actually was co-host of a show on uh, Spike TV. Uh, I think it was uh, X-Play. And I'm looking, and it says, daughter of, and it gave her parents names. I'm like, I used to work for her parents. My very first There's job. No way. At my very first job at a place called Rockdale Controls. And I met her when she was six years old. Wow. <laughs> I was like 20. She was six. Oh, Man. boy. <laughs> so how are you? No, outtakes. It's, in the words of David Letterman, time for a refreshing beverage. Ah, water. Yeah, crystal clear party ice to go with it? Mm, no. It is awesome. It is the Supreme 78. It's called a 4.8 because you can actually switch between 4-way and 8-way without actually mm-hmm. having to take a screwdriver to the thing. You just lift open the... Uh, uh, excuse Whoa, uh, lift excuse open me. that, huh? Yeah. <laughs>